Welcome to the Kinship Care Liverpool podcast. My name's David. As always, thank you for another week of the best, the worst in between of being a kinship care, a kinship kid, and everything in between. Now, this is going to be a, an episode kind of like a help episode. Um, I've done a couple of these in the past in regard to banking and fraud, and obviously, there was the one on screen time. This is going to be about taxes. And the reason it, it, it is, is it's kind of like a convoluted reason. But uh, I was recently reading a lot of stuff in regards to the current uh, trend in the government and everyone else where they want uh, children to be learning maths up to the age of 18. Now, as someone who hates maths, hated maths throughout his entire life, the very idea of being forced to, to learn maths until the age of 18 is almost akin to torture. Um, I am. I'm, I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge fan of maths. Uh, never was. Never will be. Um, the the great writer, the great the great comedian writer uh, Douglas Adams, who created Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, he always said that you, whenever I think it's when you're about ten years old, uh, you will be in school and you will basically choose a path. You will either choose the path of arts. Or you'll choose the path of science, and obviously sciences, maths, chem- uh, sorry, sciences, maths, chem- chemistry, physics, computers, those type of things, and then the arts is, art, you know, obviously artwork, writing, you know, drama, those type of things. And I kind of went in the in the realm of arts, never looked back, uh, hated maths. Uh, the very the, the fact that I mean, a lot of people these days don't really even get to the age of sixteen; they leave school very early. It seems to be quite a trend recently where it's more getting into work and getting your sort of foot on the ladder um, in regards to that. Um, now, that's, that's not something I'd advocate. I do think that education is a really good thing to have. You know, I, I'm someone with an absolutely useless degree in writing and arts, and I will happily say, well, I won't happily say, but I'll, I'll, I'll openly admit it is an absolutely useless degree that I did. And if anyone's, uh, if anyone follows me, uh, me, me personally on Facebook, uh, I'll actually I might put the put a picture on on the Instagram on this of um, of what I did for my arts degree, which was to essentially put a load of paper in the middle of a room and call it writer's block. Now we can sort of have a you you can have a little think about it if you have a look at it. It's quite conceptual in a kind of Damien Hirst kind of way, and you know it's the idea of writer's block. But I I got a first for for doing that. And it's, it's not something I'm, I'm quite proud of, really, to be honest. It is essentially the equivalent of doing nothing for three years, which I, I don't want to say I did, but, you know, I say it didn't really get me much in regards to the degree. Anyway, so in regards to, to maths, as I say, I'm not a huge fan of maths, hated maths throughout my entire life. But my, my problem with maths was that I was always very good at exams, and I don't know whether it was just, just me being fluky or whether I was just really good under pressure. But I was always in sets like two, three, you know, in the higher th- levels, doing the higher levels of math that I absolutely hated. You know, I had teachers coming up to me and saying, you know, I don't understand why you're in this lesson. And I'd be saying, I don't know either. But for some reason, I've passed this test and yeah, I'm here. And I never understood it, and you know my story that I always tell everyone is, especially in regards to GCSEs, which are going on at the moment, is you don't don't panic too much because I am clear example. I did my coursework, the coursework for my maths at the time. This was obviously a few years ago. Um, my coursework consisted of fifty percent of my grade 
Um, and I failed my coursework in maths. And I don't just mean I you know, I didn't do it right. I, I mean, I literally got a zero. Uh, I had a teacher who came up to me and said, you got a zero. The only way that you could scrape through with a C is if you get 100% in the exam. Now, I came through with a C. Now, I've, ne- I, I've never actually questioned it. Uh, I'm kind of just happy that I got the C that I, that I needed for other things. But, you know, I'm... I'm not a maths person. I'm sorry. I worked, you know, I worked in a bank for nine years. I'm probably one of the worst person in regards to numbers, maths, algebra, anything like that. Um, everyone always says, you know, what, you, teachers will always say, oh, you can't use a calculator. You'll never have a calculator with you. Well, of course, we're all sitting here with our phones, uh, which has a calculator on it. So, so, so yeah, it sucks to be a teacher because that's completely wrong. We will always have calculators with us. Um, but one of the things I would always think, if this theory of teaching maths for two extra years is something that is going to be going forward, is to maybe make it a bit more practical, which is why I'm thinking about taxes. Because obviously, at the moment, I work uh, in the tax office. Now, please, again, don't boo me, don't delete me, don't unsubscribe. I am one of the good guys. I try and help people with their, with their forms and everything like that and help people with their, their claims and the refunds and all of that type of thing. Um, but again, I am working for the tax office. And it's only really been in this last you know, six, seven, eight months of working there that I've really realized I beforehand, I had no idea how taxes worked. You know, I I was under the impression that I just ticked the box, I started work, and I just hoped for the best. Every now and again, in April, I would get a letter from HMRC that said, oh, we've overtaxed you, here's £100. Or every now and again, I get a letter from them saying, we undertaxed you, and you owe us £100. And things happened and everything else. Um, I can almost guarantee that when I, when I started work, all those years ago, I had no idea what a tax code was. I had no idea that I was on the wrong tax. For what? For many years, um, I was on the wrong tax code. For about six years, I was working one job on a on a on a basic rate tax code. And the upshot of that, the great thing that was, is once it was actually discovered, I ended up with a refund of about I think it was about six grand because I basically spent six years overpaying on tax. Now, obviously, that's that that is that's great and the the thing i would always say in regards to that is the thing the hmrc does and it is the sneakiest thing that they do and i understand why they do it but is in the letter it will say you know you may have you may have overpaid on tax please fill in these details and send it back to us please be aware that if you haven't you may owe us now i think i probably did receive that letter for 6 years on the run and i and i read that you may owe us and put that letter in the bin, thinking it's either a scam or I don't really want to be owing you money. Uh, on the off chance of you owing me five pounds, I'm not taking that risk. Uh, but it's it's not generally. If they're sending you that letter, they do owe you money. They just need to know how much. So that's the first thing I want to get off, off my chest in regarding that. Um, so really, over this episode, it's probably going to be a two-parter because there's quite a bit to go through in regards to taxes. Uh, as I say, if I was if I was developing a curriculum to include two more years of of maths and numbers and everything like that, I wouldn't be teaching them two year two more years of algebra and all these other things that I guarantee no one's ever used algebra. You know, no one has. You know. You know, it's it always reminds me of the classic Billy Connolly, you know, one A plus one B. What? I only I only add number numbers, no letters. What are you talking about? Um but yeah, uh so no I, instead I would say maybe two years of practical maths. 
your taxes, interest, insurances, you know, how much would you pay on a mortgage? How much would you pay on a loan? Um, how you set up things like that. You know, I think that'd probably be more relevant and more uh, important to learn. You know, if you if you learn, you know, are you on the correct tax code? What would happen if you pay too much tax, too little tax? And those type of things. Um, I think that probably be more important and more interesting uh, to some extent. I know it doesn't sound it, but it might be a bit more interesting than than the, the square new sort of a hypotenuse and the Pythagoras theorem and all these other things that no one, again, other than if you go into the sciences or into the computers or anything like that, you're probably never going to use this. And I guarantee... You know, I, everyone in my class, apart from maybe two or three who went into the higher sciences, no one used it ever again. So the first thing I was going to say is basically do a breakdown in regard to taxes. So the first thing I would say, uh, and I want to sort of do, do use these to sort of break a couple of myths as well. And the first myth I want to break is that everyone technically will pay tax now, or will be in the process of potentially paying tax. Now, what I mean by that is, a lot of the calls that I receive are people who ring up and say, hey, I don't think I should be paying tax. Now, nine times out of 10, they're right because of one reason or another, and I'll get to them in a second. But nine times, but the other one time, they're, they're wrong. And the reason they're wrong is because they have a couple of sort of mistruths. So the first mistruth I want to give is the fact that if you are a student over the age of 16, you still pay tax. Now, the, the, I think the, the reason why people think this is because if you're a student and you're living in a student accommodation, you don't pay council tax. Uh, so there may be a mix up where they think, well, because I don't pay council tax, I don't pay any tax. Now, the reason why it's probably true that you won't pay tax as a student is simply because you don't pay, you earn enough. And, um, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but the fact of the matter is, if you were to earn a, a, among you know, higher amounts, if you if you look into a student job where you're earning thousands of pounds a month, it is likely that you'll pay tax on that. So just because you're a student doesn't mean you're not going to pay tax. That's the same if you are older and younger. There isn't a threshold of tax. If you are 100 years old, they'll, you'll still get taxed. If you are I would say, I wanted to, I wanted to say five years old. If you are, I think it's sixteen is the actual minimum age to be on national insurance and tax and things like that. Uh, obviously, if you're underage, uh, you potentially won't be on the books for things. But as long as you've got a national insurance number, that's the main thing with that. That's the one thing I, I would say in regards to that is if you are, if you're a kinship care at the moment, you've got a kid who's about to turn you know, 15, 16, I think it's around about. I think it's, I, I think what I read was it's 15, 15 years old and seven months is when they start issuing out national insurance numbers. And it's just a letter. You don't get a card anymore. It'll just be a letter with the national insurance number. Now, that doesn't technically mean that they can go to work. However, it depends on the company. We've seen this with McDonald's and places like that, where they will employ you. You just won't be covered by a lot of the the, the, the rights that you should do. So you can still work, but you you potentially probably shouldn't. Uh, once you've got the national insurance, once you pass 16, uh, you can go into work. You, you, but then again, as I say, you still will pay tax. And the main thing to do with the tax is what they call the tax threshold. Now, if you are someone who, who works nine to five, Monday to Friday, whatever it is, uh, when you come up with your tax code, it will be 1257L. Now, I, obviously, I am saying this as of May, as of I'm trying to think of, yeah, we're in June. As as of June 2023, the tax code, the the um, the tax the tax free allowance is 
L. Now, what that means is you can earn up to 12,570 and not pay any tax on it. So that means potentially you could you could work as much as you want. As long as you if you hit that level, you won't pay any tax. Obviously, if you earn 15 grand, it means that you won't you won't pay tax on 12,570 of that, but the existing level again terrible at maths i can't even take 15 grand away from that so uh, but whatever's left over you'll be paying tax on it and the tax will be at 20 percent now if you see anything other than 1257l there'll be a number of reasons for that now the first things of course are the emergency tax codes that everyone rings up oh my god i'm on emergency tax now the emergency tax code is generally br or zero t now if you're on br it is emergency tax uh, that's full stop end of discussion um but i will get to that in a second in regards to full stop end of discussion uh if you're on br but you shouldn't be on br you're earning 10 grand you know you shouldn't be paying tax but you're on br and you're paying tax you ring up your tax office uh you stay on, the, on, on hold for half an hour to an hour unfortunately that's the way it works these days um and they will change that over for you as long as you're not earning more than twelve thousand five, and even if you are if you're on a BR code, it's likely because either it's your first job or you haven't processed your P45 properly. But at the end of the day, if you're on a BR code and it's your only job, you ring up the tax office and they will sort it. If you're on an OT code, generally what that would mean is that we think or they think you are working for, for more than one company. Uh, the T basically means two. Funny enough. Uh, so if you ever see that on your on your account, it basically thinks you've got a part-time job. So it's putting you on a T code. Again, it's charging you 20% on your tax. If that's incorrect, ring up the tax office. Now, as I say, 1257L is what you should be on. Now, if you're on a higher amount than that, then perfect. 1257L is the sort of the base level that everyone should be on in theory. Um, if it's if it's if it's higher, it means that you're getting more of a tax free allowance. So obviously, if that is twenty thousand, if if instead of that it's two thousand L, it means you're going to get twenty thousand of a tax free allowance. Now, the the way it can be increased are through certain things such as extra allowances. So these are things like the working from home allowance, the marriage allowance, and rather than um, giving you the money, which would be nice, they just add it to your tax allowance. So you'll have extra tax free allowance. You still get it, but it's obviously in a convoluted sort of way. So the um, so that's that's how that works. If it's below twelve five seven L. It's usually because of either two reasons. One, you've either underpaid in tax, and this is a way of them retrieving that tax, or you've claimed uh, for expense, uh, sorry, benefits with your work. So benefits with work are things like medical insurances, uh, dental insurances, uh, travel, or, or car, company courtesy car. Generally, if it's done through the tax uh, code, it's generally cheaper. Well, obviously it depends on everything the one thing i would say as a caveat to that is if you are looking at things like the company car always ask for the electric option because the electric option will cost you less so if you get told you can have this company car it's going to be a diesel it's going to be a, a great hulking uh, your beast it's likely going to cost you probably won't cost you as much as buying from a dealership but it will cost you more in regards to your allowance however if you get offered the brand new toyota suzuki whatever it is you know it's it's a hybrid it's a it's a you know it's, it's a complete electric car you know take that option it will cost you less in the long run 
so that's that's one thing I would say in regarding that. Uh, so that's the reason. The other reason, as I say, is if you are uh, underpaid in tax. So this is from the previous years. Rather than sending you a bill, which they can do, they can send you a bill and say you owe us a hundred pounds. We want it by the third of yeah the fifth of um, the fifth of April. Instead, they will say, well, instead of doing that, we will reduce your tax code by. Yeah, if it's hundred pound, we're going to reduce it by ten. So you're going to pay it back slowly over twelve months. There is a myth, again, a horrible myth that as soon as you receive that letter that says you owe the tax office hundred pounds, that they're going to come knocking on your door like the sheriff of Nottingham, uh, like uh, um, you know, barging on the door, asking for money, you know, you know screaming at you, taking all, taking all your belongings. It's you. Know, um, whatever it is, bailers, bailiffs at the door, that type of thing. Now, obviously, if it's a case of you haven't paid it, you have no intention of paying it, and we're looking at 10, 5, 10, 20,000 pounds worth of debt, then yes, it could become that. But obviously, by that point, it will be in the hands of bailiffs and debt collectors and those type of things. But obviously, that shouldn't come as a surprise. Um, if it is literally, and I don't want to say literally, but, you know, if it's £100, it's still quite a significant amount of money. If it's a, a smaller amount, £100, £50, whatever it is, they will likely put it through your tax code. One, because it's easier. Two, because it can be done straight away. And three, because it generally will resolve everything in the long run and then it resolves itself at the end of the year. Uh, the other good thing about that is obviously if at any point it is seen to be a mistake, or you get that refunded, or there's a problem. Again, it's a click of a button, it's all put back, and then you're refunded. Now, as I say, I'm probably going to, uh, as I said, I was going to make this into two episodes because I think there's quite a lot to go through with this. So this is going to be the end of episode one. I'm going to be talking about more things to do with tax and little extra bits and pieces here in the, in the next episode. As always, you want to get in touch with me. Easiest way is through, the, uh, the, through our social media, through Facebook, through the Instagram, through Twitter, through the new uh, Kinship Pod uh, Twitter. You can always uh, like, subscribe. Uh, wherever you're getting this podcast, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's in Deezer, Apple, wherever you're getting it, Amazon, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of places. Castbox, you know, there's so many great, great ways you can do it. If you subscribe, it just means that you don't have to manually download it. It will pop up whenever it comes up. Usually, it's every Saturday or Sunday, and obviously, that just makes things a lot easier for me. Um, and obviously, it's always nice to see any any reviews, any five stars, anything you do like that will push us up to charge, uh, and it gives us more traction when we're trying to look at other things that we can do with it. Uh, so, as always, if you want to touch me, easiest way through that or through our email. Thank you very much for listening. My name's David, and you listen to the Kinship Care Liverpool podcast.